Welcome to Live and Dare Podcast, your show with interviews and insights on meditation, mindfulness, and consciousness. This podcast is brought to you by liveandare.com, and I'm your host, Giovanni Dinstman. And I'm interviewing Gurunanda, who is an entrepreneur turned yogi and an expert in pranayama breathing techniques from the yoga tradition. Gurunanda, also known as Punit Nanda, was having a 16-hour day work life filled with stress which culminated into an emergency trip to the hospital with chest pains during what turned out to be a severe anxiety attack. This prompted him to rediscover the yoga he loved as a child growing up in India. He healed himself with yoga and Ayurveda, sold his business, and now is committed to sharing with the world the power of breathing and meditation. In this episode, we'll talk about why breathing is an important yet underestimated tool, the different types of breathing exercises and how to get started, and the relationship of breathing and meditation. Puneet, it's great to finally have you in the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to hear briefly about your personal journey. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for this opportunity. I'm Puneet Nanda. I am originally an entrepreneur who belongs to India, came to the United States, set up a company that became successful selling toothbrushes, became national name brand products. In the quest of doing so, I was working phenomenal number of hours, taking zero holidays, eating absolutely fast food while being on the phone all the time, literally not paying attention on drinking water. To me, work was everything, and I had a little board behind me which said work is worship, which it is, but not having a balance was the problem. When I went home, I would eat in front of the television. Even after dinner, I would open up refrigerator, eat whatever was in my sight. When I slept, I felt like my stomach is bursting. If it didn't, I felt that I'm sleeping hungry. It was very normal for me. All this together with the stress of getting up early in the morning to talk to India, to talk to London, and finally ending the day with talking with the factories in China. This used to be a full stressful day. And then handling so many people, workers, problems with payments, problems with people not paying, problems with so many. When you employ 100 people, there's 100 problems that crop up. So the stress was one of the biggest issues that I did not know how to deal with. Finally, I ended up visiting a hospital through a 911 call, which was made by my secretary when I had a severe chest pain and I thought we we're having a heart attack. At least she thought so, which ended up into being a nervous breakdown together with me getting a second leash of life in a way because that gave me an awakening call. When I wrote the book Wall Street Yoga, I actually wrote in it, smart people are the ones who learn from other people's mistake. I woke up and I don't want anybody else being in my situation. And that's why I decided to share what I learned and what I experienced after that so that they can create a work-life uh, balance so that they understand that this life is a journey. It's not the destination. The destination is death. If you move fast towards your destination, then you know where you are moving. So just slow down, enjoy every moment, and take life as a journey and uh, just go with it rather than thinking elsewise. Hmm. When this wake-up call hit, what did you start to change? What did you start to practice? I was having an extreme backache while I was in the hospital, and there was a Korean nurse who came to me and said, do you do yoga? 
I said, yoga? Yeah, I used to do it when I was a kid at the school. But why? She said, do you know how to do cat and cow pose? I said, sure, I do know, but I've never done it for the last 30 years. She said, try doing it. And when I went back home, I started doing it. And all of a sudden, my long-lost love for yoga, which... I loved as a kid when I was in the school, got rekindled because in India, in the school, they used to teach us yoga. But my teacher was a very strict guy. I still remember his face. And he used to cane us. And he used to make us sit in the sun and do yoga. And sun in India is really bad. It's hot Mm. and humid some months. And at the end of the day, we were always trying to bunk his class. So we got scared of yoga rather than really loving yoga. Yes. But once I got back into doing the cat cow pose to start with, and then I said, I need to re-get to my roots, which is get back to India and learn yoga from the masters. So that's when I decided to just take a 10-day break go to India. And while I was there, I went to Rishikesh, the birthplace of yoga. And I went into a ashram there, went through a 10-day yoga routine, which was very calming. And it changed my life. Before actually I went to India, I went to a couple of yoga studios here. And I got scared because the yoga they were teaching here is very physical. When I was in that situation where I could hardly move my head and I was about 50 pounds more than what I am today, that yoga was like torture too. But once I was back, I learned the right way to do yoga. Things changed around. I went to a very small ashram called Ram Yoga Ashram. This is 26 kilometers above Rishikesh. Unfortunately, there were floods about three, four years ago. There has been a lot of destruction during that period. And I've been going back and taking care of some of the people because a lot of things have been destroyed ever since. Uh, But there are at least 100 ashrams in Rishikesh. And I've been to Paramartha Ashram. I've been to some of the other ones there which are in like downtown Rishikesh where people can go and if somebody is really rich they can go to Ananda Spa which is not really ashram. I'll put the links in the show notes so people can check it out. It's interesting that you mentioned that your experience of yoga in the west was that it was too physical. That is my impression as well. People that don't know the rich tradition of yoga they have the impression that yoga is like acrobatics that is just a physical exercise and the physical exercise is great. But it's only one of the eight limbs of yoga. Correct. Truthfully, till and until you know how to breathe, your body does not have the flexibility to do the next phase of the whole limb or the physical act of doing poses. Absolutely, there is no doubt about it. It's one of the best things you are doing. When you go to one of the yoga studios in your local studio, but for somebody who was in my situation, means if it is a, 19 or 20 year old girl who's physically already very fit who's flexible as a pretzel and if she goes there and she starts doing all those poses it would absolutely help her she's already in that great physical shape that you ought to be but if somebody is a 40 plus old guy or a 40 plus old woman who's been living this lifestyle which is very stressed out who's overweight physically not that great or who's not athletic so for that person i think you need to really take it easy you need to go step by step first start breathing simple breathing simple belly breathing which they teach in doctor's offices in america even if somebody started to do that every day several times a day 
they would start melting away that extra fat. Once you breathe properly, your diaphragm would push those nutrients and the oxygen all the way till your cellular level. And once that nutrient and oxygen reach the cellular level, the oxygen permeates the cell wall, goes inside the cytoplasm, and as with any metabolic activity, carbon dioxide is released. Basically, that cell starts to heal itself. The problem arises when we don't breathe properly. That metabolic waste still lying in the cell, which either makes the cell diseased or causes cell death. By not breathing properly, you mean breathing through the chest instead of the belly? Just not that. I don't know about everybody, but most of us are nowadays in front of our computers, at least in all the developed world, wherever computers are available. While we are sitting in front hunched back, that's not a very good position for our diaphragm, which is a parachute-like muscle right in the middle above the belly. So that parachute-like muscle, when we breathe in, it kind of flattens up. And when we breathe out, it becomes a parachute back again. That is the only muscle in our entire body that works voluntarily and involuntarily. That works day and night. So basically, consciously and subconsciously. So whenever you have to connect your conscious and subconscious self, the best thing to do is to focus on breathing. And that's why meditation is all dependent upon breathing, I believe. There is a ton of stuff in our subconscious self. For example, when you were a three years old kid or four years old kid, you were very small. Maybe one of your uncles told you or one of your friends told you you look ugly or you look bad or something. That thing 30 years after projects itself 10 times longer in your head. And every time you go in front of the mirror, your uncle's word would kind of be in your subconscious mind. Now, how do you get rid of it? So our diaphragm, it works while we are sleeping and it can work right now. I breathe in and my diaphragm is at work. So it's we can control it consciously and subconsciously. So it is a bridge between our consciousness and subconsciousness, mm. the breath and the diaphragm. So we can actually utilize our diaphragm and our breath to release what is left in our subconscious brain and make it level out and be at ease. So we can create that balance mm -hmm. if we do practice it in a proper format. So I believe that this is very important because not just is your physical health important, your mental health is equally important. Yes. As with food and exercise, I always say 60% is food and 40% is exercise. Similarly, I would say 60% is your mind health and 40% is your physical training health. So mm. it's very important to keep your mind in healthy as well. Yes, 100%. And this topic that you touched about using the breathing to work through emotions, sometimes readers send me emails or new people that are coming to my site and ask, I'm undergoing a lot of stress and or a lot of anxiety and I try to meditate, but I cannot. I always recommend try breathing exercise. And then I give them a very simple breathing exercise because it's much easier to calm your body and your mind starting with your breath than going directly to the mind. We are not trained to have control over our mind, right? But we, we can more easily be trained to control our breath. Our mind thinks tens of thousands of thoughts a day. Your breath is something that you can control. You can actually utilize your breath 
you can actually physically do something to control your mental thoughts. You can actually really be in control of a mental situation where if you know how to do correct breathing and if you really get into pranayama, you can literally at one point stretch one of your muscle, breathe into it, and you can feel each and every cell in that muscle actually breathing and getting healed. It's all about practice. Which pranayama you you advise? If somebody is just a simple starter, what I recommend to my students is that just lie down on the floor, take your arms all the way up with your hands locked in, breathing in deeply, and just bring it slowly back as you breathe out. Coordinating head movements with uh, breathing. Yeah, because sometimes it's hard when you are really unexercised, when you are in a bad shape. It's hard for you to sit straight. It's hard for you to do some of the things that normal people may think it's so easy. It's always a good start to start slow. Go with that. I used to feel breathless doing those 10 times. Imagine that. So to come from there to being in a situation where I have melted away most of my fat breathing, literally. Wow. I would say breathing is curative versus poses are uh, physically very good for your muscles in your body. So if you want to maintain your muscles, maintain your body, or get your body in shape, number one thing to do would be poses. If you really want to cure yourself and, of course, maintain and be at ease and it has to be a balance of everything. Breathing is extremely important. Breathing is what is curative, according to me. Yes. There's a huge body of research on the benefits of practicing meditation, but I haven't seen so much about the practice of pranayama. The only one I came across so far was one from Emma Sepala, suggesting that alternating nostrils pranayama helps manage PTSD in in war veterans. Are you aware of any other studies or institutes or academics looking into the benefits of breathing? There has been a lot of study on pranayama in India. There's a hospital called Medanta in New Delhi. Actually, they have a trained yoga practitioner inside the hospital. So whenever patients go with a heart disease, after going through a surgery like a bypass surgery or angioplasty, they are actually given a one hour of yoga lesson every day before Mm -hmm. they are discharged so they can take home that practice and practice. I know the CEO of uh, that hospital, Medanta Hospital, is one of the largest hospitals in India today, and the doctor is American-trained. His name is Dr. Naresh Trehan. He's a big proponent of yoga and meditation and Ayurveda. I saw he's actually collecting a lot of documents Is it trying different types of pranayama for different types of patients and conditions? Or is it like one that they are trying with different people? He is trying, but the problem with India that I see is that people in the United States are very structured and people follow rules and regulations. That is the beauty about the United States. I think if a study would be conducted in UCLA, protocols would be very strict, very definite, and very well-designed. Versus in India, although Dr. Naresh Trehan probably designed it well, but when finally it trickles down, it's probably not as effective mm-hmm. and not as correct. 
I would rather have some institute in U.S. work with me. I'm more than open to doing it. Nice. Actually, I have talked to uh, one of the guys I met a few days ago. I don't know how serious was he, but he's a famous uh, cardiothoracic surgeon. So let's see where it goes. But I haven't yet encountered anybody who, who is ready to do a real study. Well, perhaps this podcast can be a start because we have some academics listening to this podcast. Maybe something starts from here. <laughs> sure, that would be awesome. So how does your practice look like nowadays? What type of techniques you practice? How long do you practice? I practice half hour of breathing every single day, personally. But it's not required to do half hour. As long as you can devote 14 minutes a day is what I wrote in my book, Wall Street Yoga, then that's good enough for somebody to maintain themselves. The reason I do it for half hour is because I want to make sure I'm actually practicing what I'm preaching. I'm doing it to an extent where I'm really making it a lifestyle of my own. Yes. And then during your day and your activities, do you sometimes have like a quick minute or, or you come back to your breathing or is it just natural and spontaneous for you? Absolutely. Especially if you live in LA, I don't know where uh, most people that listen to you live, but uh, traffic is the number one stress situation. Once I'm starting to go on the road, before I start, I take a minute and I do some breathing and some maybe a minute of meditation, a minute of breathing before I start mm -hmm. so that I can remain calm while I'm on the road. And once I stop the car, I again do my breathing. I do some laughing yoga while I'm in the car. Somebody shows me a middle finger just because of no reason or somebody keeps honking at me mm. for no reason because people here have a lot of road rage situation. Actually, they are the people who need more yoga. Yes. So what I do is doing laughing yoga. Try to ignore them because whenever somebody shows you a middle finger, you're angry. Absolutely, I'm human. I'll become angry. You get angry, you get that negative emotion in yourself. But in the meanwhile, you take that negative emotion, convert it into laugh, breathe it out, okay. exhale it. The anger of other people turns into your laughter. So that's my mantra, fake it till you make it. Hmm. When you do laughing yoga, you always fake it till you make it. If you don't get a laugh, no problem, just keep faking it. Yeah, there's research that shows that even if you force a smile, your body receives kind of the same message as if it's a spontaneous smile and the nervous system starts exactly. coming down. Yeah. Exactly. If you laugh, your body doesn't know whether it's a fake laugh or a real laugh. And when you exhale, you're actually taking all that negative energy, all that carbon dioxide that is stuck in between your uh, lungs that's not getting cleared. It all gets out. So you get fresh breath in, which is a lot of oxygen in which your body really needs at that time, your mm. cells need at that time in order not to die. I read about so many different pranayama techniques in my yoga class when I was a teenager and also through the books of Swami Shivananda and Iyengar. In some of them we breathe through both nostrils, in others like alternating, some of them through the mouth, some of them through the nose, and some of them we use retention. Can you speak a little bit about the purpose of these different elements? I have a website called gurunanda.com mm -hmm. and on those, instead of doing a lot of different pranayamas, which is very tough to for a normal American to actually get into, I've only put five of those 
in there as the breathing exercises. So even if somebody can follow those simple five pranayamas, they are good enough mm -hmm. because they are one of the main ones. But there is absolutely a definitive reason for each pranayama. For example, there is one called Om. The word Om is a universal chant. It's the noise according to the mythology mm -hmm. which was created when the universe was created. And it encompasses Brahma, Vishnu, Ganesh, which means the Brahma is the creator, Vishnu is the operator, and Shiva, which is uh, either the super creator or the destructor. So if you look at anything below our navel, that would be Brahma. So that means anything below our navel, all organs, reproductive organs, all our body, that's the creative part of it. And when you go from navel till your neck area, that's the operator, like your kidneys, your liver, your heart. All this is the operating part, keeps the world operational. And then the Shiva is the head, which can create nuclear weapons if wrong direction. And if it goes in the right direction, it can create energy for your welfare. It's like you have to channel it the right direction. Om word is of three different phases, which is A, O, M. So when you chant Om, when you, whenever you say A, Om, I'll say it and then I'll tell you. Okay. So when I was doing home, I was thinking of ah means till my navel, oh till my neck, and mm, vibrations in all my head, curing my entire body with the just a simple chant of Om, which is one of the pranayama. There is study in Medanta I was looking at where kids with paralysis of their half face not moving at all mm -hmm. have been cured just with regular chant of Om. Wow. which was amazing to see. A verbal chant like you did or a mental chant? The verbal one. So you basically are stimulating every single part of your body. After you keep doing it for some times, as with any practice, you would start feeling the vibration in every cell of your body. When I do it in the morning, I actually can feel every single cell of my body, wherever I'm putting my head into actually moving in vibration and this whole world is in vibration you know that hmm. electrons and protons and everything in the world is in vibration and this vibration whenever it goes wrong is when the whole problem starts so just with a simple pranayama of om alone you can actually have a amazing vibration synchronicity you'll literally feel after a while that you are back to the formation of the universe days. Every single cell in your body can breathe. Every single cell in your body is in synchronicity. Every single cell in your body is under your control automatically. And every single cell of your body is in vibration and coordinated. Hmm. This is how you feel. So this is 
one of the simplest pranayamas it i did this pranayama and i put a little ecg kind of a machine i have that uh, video with me this was in delhi this doctor she teaches uh, bio feedback to patients and when i did this with her i could i saw all those machines literally i could change my entire body's heart rate or whatever else all the things that they were looking at everything you could literally see it getting changed nice so in closing this interview i wanted to ask you if you could go back 10 or 15 years in time what advice would you give your past self actually if i could go 30 years past time <laughs> ideally i would live a totally different life i would live a much more balanced life i would live a life where i'm enjoying every single second and actually i'm taking care literally smelling every rose and not just walking past the rose this is kind of to sum it very easily i would rather stop and smell the rose so this is what my advice would be to everybody take it easy there is no rush the destination is one and that is death so if you are in a hurry stop and think again and just enjoy every single moment mm-hmm. exhale out all your past and just enjoy the moment thank you it's a powerful message and for those that want to contact you what would be the best way i have a website gurunanda.com I also have a Facebook page uh, Guru Nanda if somebody does want to connect with me it would be contact@gurunanda.com I'll put it in the show notes Thank you so much Thank you for Thank being you. here Namaste Namaste So that was our interview with Puneet Gurunanda You can find the show notes for this episode without the links names and resources mentioned at livingdar.com Thank you for listening we bring a great variety of guests from all walks of life and practitioners of different meditation techniques so be sure to stick around please subscribe via your favorite rss feed or itunes we end the episode today with a quote from eckhart tolle every time you create a gap in the stream of mind the light of your consciousness grows stronger one day you may catch yourself smiling at a voice in your head this means that you no longer take that content of your mind all that seriously as your sense of self does not depend on it